G'day, uh, Dave Macker here. Um, how about we pray before we look at God's Word together? Uh, thank you, Father, for speaking to us in the Bible. Uh, please help me to explain it clearly. Uh, help us all to understand it. And please strengthen our trust in you today. Amen. Now, I, I want to uh, try and persuade you today. Uh, I, I'm not here just sharing information. I want to persuade you uh, to put your trust in Jesus. If you trust him, I want to encourage you to keep trusting him. If you've got doubts and, and fears about whether you can, I want to help you have confidence to continue uh, to have faith, to have trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, if you're fearful, if you're worried, uh, if this whole experience of being surrounded by, by increasing death tolls has you worried about, about where you're at, about where your future is at, I actually want to explore with you good reasons for hope beyond the grave, uh, hope for resurrection. See, Easter Sunday, Christians, we, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says that if Jesus rose from the dead, then we can have hope of resurrection. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then we have no hope at all. Uh, and so I want to explore this question about whether there's good reason uh, to have hope in Jesus. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, in Acts chapter 17, the passage that was read for us, uh, you might like to look back at that if you've got your Bible open or that little handout open. The Apostle Paul gets the opportunity uh, to, to talk about what he believes in a context where there are all kinds of philosophers and religious ideas in Athens. A place called the Areopagus. Uh, if you've ever been to Sydney, when you, you get the soapbox preachers, Maybe it was a little bit like that, though the people were probably a lot more educated uh, than they are today. And Paul, in giving evidence for the Christian message, evidence for there being a God, points to the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, if you come with me down to verse uh, 30, um, he, he says, uh, in contrast to the idolatry of people making statues and worshipping them, uh, he says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. To repent means to turn around, to, to change your mind, to change your life, to change your action, to turn from being opposed to God to following God and trusting in Jesus. And Paul is uh, talking about this and he wants to give evidence for this. And he says, verse 31, for he has set a day... God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. That's why you've got to turn around. That's why you've got to be right with God, because there is a day of judgment to come. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him. This man who's going to judge Jesus, raising him from the dead. So the Apostle Paul, when he gets the opportunity to say what Christianity is all about, to say who God is and how you can know God, goes straight for the resurrection. And uh, on another occasion, when he's writing to a church uh, in Corinth, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, he actually says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then we don't have any hope. So we may as well pack in this Christian stuff and go and eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So there's a significant uh, thing at stake here. And, and I want to tell you that, uh, of a time when this was very, very important for me. Uh, eight years ago, uh, some of you know the fact that I was uh, very, very sick in hospital with uh, terminal lung cancer. 
And I, I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was being told that I would probably not see the following Christmas. Uh, I had less than a year to live is what the oncologist was telling me. And I became quite sick. I became very depressed and I suffered serious doubts in my faith. I remember thinking, I wonder if there really is a God. I wonder if there is evidence for being raised from the dead. And this wasn't a theoretical question for me because I was actually led to believe I would be dead within 12 months. So if I had no hope of a long life, did I have hope of being raised from the dead? So it, this is a significant matter and it's a big matter now, isn't it? I mean, if, if we were in, in Manhattan, if, if we were in Italy, if we were in Spain, if we were in parts of the world where the death toll daily is in the hundreds and sometimes reaching into the thousand, then this question of what happens when you die, it's, it's, it's not theoretical. It's absolutely critical. So let's, uh, let's look at the lines of evidence, if I can put it that way. And this, this will be a different kind of talk. It's what uh, you might call uh, apologetics. It comes from not somebody apologizing, but, but uh, giving evidence for things being worth looking at. And I want to explore some of these things with you because there is good evidence, I take it, to look at the resurrection of Jesus. And the first thing has to do with the quality of the existing documentary evidence. And what am I talking about? Documentary evidence? No videos, right? No Netflix? That's not the documentary we've got in mind. The documentary evidence that documents the resurrection, well, it's found in the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, but not only the Gospels. And it is good evidence. Uh, we're able to read it. Uh, the language is uh, New Testament Greek. It's written in marketplace kind of uh, common Greek, uh, simple language. Uh, I studied this a few years ago. I can, I can kind of battle my way with a dictionary and, and read the New Testament. And what I'm reading is what people would have been reading hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Um, we can do that. Uh, what we have available to us is very ancient. We don't expect the original documents uh, but we have things that are very close. Uh, it's interesting, the standards that we might have. We, we, we think now, particularly in a kind of a Twitter world, that if you're going to uh, testify to something being true, then you just tweet it straight away. It's instant, instant documentary evidence. Uh, or you're uploading a video the same day. But in the ancient world, sometimes it literally took decades or longer to write up a history. Uh, so Julius uh, Caesar's Wars, for example, um, uh, 50 BC, the, the earliest manuscript that we've got is 900 AD. But people take that very seriously. Uh, the Gospel accounts are probably all written before AD 80. Um, and the earliest manuscripts that we've got are around about 200 AD. So there's not a big time difference here. Uh, there's a great volume of, of ancient manuscripts available. If, if you were to compare, for example, uh, Julius Caesar, nobody doubts him. Uh, people take the history seriously. There are only 10 ancient manuscripts. How many New Testament manuscripts, gospel manuscripts? Literally in the thousands, well attested. And of course, with computer technology, they can be compared. And we see great stability of translation. Uh, some people think uh, that, you know, in an oral culture or without having photocopiers and so forth in the ancient world. It must have been a case of Chinese whispers. So what we've got is so far from the original, but that's not the case. I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, in oral culture, 
uh, was deeply committed to passing things on truthfully, and they still are in non-literary societies today. But, but secondly, the job of the scribes to actually uh, pen with, with their, their quill and their papyrus uh, the exact manuscript and pass it on was meticulous. And sometimes they'd make a mistake. And you can now see those mistakes. And I could show you, this is a bit nerdy, right? But I could show you my Greek New Testament. And they're not pretending, right, that things have been covered over, that there haven't been any mistakes. I have one copy of the New Testament that lists every time there's a variant reading. And then you can go to a commentary which explains how the mistake was likely to have happened. Um, and some of them are as simple as a word left out. Or you see uh, your, your eye goes to a word on one line and uh, you skip a line because the same word's on the next line and so forth. So there's, there's quality documentary evidence. That's the first thing. So there's good stuff to look at. But being good stuff to look at doesn't mean it's truthful stuff to look at, does it? I mean, it could be uh, really good science fiction or really good uh, um, fantasy, for example. And so one of the things we've got to, to look at the, the, the historical nature of this and verify whether what we're talking about stacks up is the confirmation of sources outside the Bible. Now, you might have thought that the only evidence for Jesus is in the Bible. Not the case. Uh, there is Roman evidence. Uh, you, you've got people like Tacitus and, uh, and Pliny and, and so on. There's Jewish evidence. Uh, the, the Jewish historian Josephus. Uh, the, the, the Jewish Talmud, for example. In fact, if you were not uh, opening the New Testament at all and you just went to these other sources, you could discover that there was a man called Jesus, uh, when he lived, where he lived, uh, that he was a, a well-known teacher, that he did amazing things. Uh, he was viewed as a miracle worker, um, that he was called the Messiah, that he was executed uh, and by whom he was executed under Pontius Pilate, um, that uh, he had a brother and that people claimed that he'd been raised from the dead and that people have followed him and proclaimed that message. Now, all those things you can find without even opening the Bible. Uh, does that prove it's true? No, but it does prove that you're not dealing with some uh, conspiracy that's been created on the side uh, that's only true for a select group of people like the, you know, the Dan Brown stuff, the, the people, can't remember their names, it ends in Artie and it's not Maserati, but those people that were responsible, the Illuminati, that's it, for keeping a secret safe, it's not like that. It's actually open to scrutiny. Uh, there's the integrity of the gospel accounts. Uh, so you can look at the, um, the composition date, again, quite early. Uh, we don't know exactly when the Gospels were written. There's good evidence that uh, the, the Gospels were probably all written by AD 80 and, and potentially written before uh, AD 70 when the fall of Jerusalem took place. Um, either way, it's, it's within a generation of Jesus that these things are written. And so um, this is not the age of Twitter. This is not instant um, news or a daily news cycle. But this means that you can check things out with eyewitnesses still when they're being written uh, and when they're being taught. So an example of this would be last year, we celebrated 50 years since uh, Neil Armstrong took his first step on the moon. I remember sitting in class, I was in year two, 
Uh, they wheeled in a television. We didn't have a TV at home. And we could watch the man on the moon. Now, that means there's people alive today. In fact, um, some of the astronauts, some of the people that were working for NASA at the time, are alive today. And you could check out and, and verify things that are being said. Well, you can do that with the New Testament. And another thing is, there are incidental things that are recorded in the Gospels, whereby you get an opportunity to cross-check. So uh, it might be places that are mentioned. You can look up those places outside of the New Testament. Uh, it could be particular historical figures like Roman emperors or um, the procurator and so on. It, it could be particular places. And this is interesting because I, I remember that there's a, there's a place that gets mentioned in John chapter 5. Uh, it's called the, the Pool of, of, uh, of Bethesda, I think it's called. And it, it was a very prominent pool uh, noted by the fact that it had five columns in it. Now, people would, it was a bathing pool. People would, would take people to, to bathe there. And the idea was that they uh, it had some kind of healing power and people uh, would bathe and, and they'd, they'd come out of it well. But that's not my point about the healing power. The, the point is that John 5 actually describes this pool. And there were people who said, oh, look, the New Testament is nonsense. They've made up this pool because we've looked around Jerusalem and nobody's found this pool. And it's, it would be so obvious and we would expect to find evidence of it if, in fact, it, it was there. Uh, those people had to eat their words because archaeologists dug up something that looked exactly like the pool that's being described in John 5. And there are so many examples that are like that. Historical confirmation, just incidental things. But look, this is all background. I want to focus particularly on the resurrection of Jesus. And there's a number of things here that, that we have to take seriously. The first might seem obvious, but it's important. That is, there are claims that people have seen Jesus after he died. Uh, there are people who claim to be eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. And in fact, that was a standard for the early apostles. They, they were accepted as apostles because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. Uh, and in fact, here's a nerdy little fact. The, the apostle Paul described himself as an unusual apostle because he meets the resurrected Jesus after Jesus has ascended to heaven, uh, different to all of the other followers. And that transformed his life from being Saul, a persecutor of Christians, uh, to the apostle Paul sent with a message to proclaim the resurrection. Um, he, he totally flipped once he met the resurrected Jesus. Uh, so there's lots of people claiming to see Jesus raised from the dead. In fact, um, hundreds of them, quite literally. And so those claims need to be taken uh, carefully and, and they provide a, a, an initial case to examine. If people say that they've seen a resurrected Jesus, then what's going on? Is it a hallucination? Well, you don't really get mass hallucinations, but what, what do we make of it? Well, the key evidence um, alongside the, the thought that people have seen Jesus is that the tomb itself uh, is empty. It's interesting, when you, when you look back at the accounts, nobody's arguing about whether the tomb was empty or not. The, the debate is over how it came to be empty. Uh, did, uh, did they actually go to the wrong tomb? Well, I'm sure they could have found the right one and put a, an end to this message. Uh, was it 
uh, the case that Jesus hadn't actually died. Uh, he just, what they called, swooned on the cross and then um, somehow or other managed to unwrap the bandages and overpower the guards and, and having pushed the rock away, escape and, and, and then lie about the fact that uh, he was raised from the dead. Or did the Roman soldiers um, steal the body and go and hide it somewhere? Or did the disciples overthrow the Roman soldiers who were at the tomb and then make up this lie that they were then willing to die for? Now, you see, there's evidence related to seeing Jesus. There's evidence related to what you do with the empty tomb. Because if Jesus was dead, all someone needed to do was produce the body. And the Romans were pretty good at uh, killing people, so we don't think they got that wrong. And they would have had good reason to shut up the Christians uh, very, very quickly uh, if they were able to by producing a body. There's some other things which are curious. Uh, all four Gospels record that the initial witnesses of the resurrected Jesus, the empty tomb, were women. Um, why is that curious? Well, from what we know of the first century world, women uh, weren't able to give testimony in a court of law. And so if you're making up a story, what they've chosen to do, all four of these Gospel writers independently, is to make the original uh, witnesses to the resurrection non-credible witnesses. Uh, now, I'm not saying that they were non-credible, but legally that's where they stood. Uh, it'd be a very strange thing to make that up. Uh, it's interesting that there are differences in all the four Gospels, uh, and the differences are expected. Again, in a, in a court of law, if you are uh, providing eyewitness testimony to an event that's taken place, and everyone gave exactly the same story word for word, guess what? Someone's made it up and passed it on. But if everyone is sharing slightly different accounts, then the prosecutors would take that a whole heap more seriously. I remember once being subpoenaed as a witness. Uh, in fact, I didn't, couldn't even identify the witness later because it, it was uh, some months later and the guy used to have long hair and, and when he was caught, he was wearing scrappy clothes and now he had short hair and had a suit on and I had no idea who he was. But that aside, there were different accounts. So my friend and I, who'd both uh, been witnesses to this crime, gave it from our own perspectives, not in the same words, but slight divergence was an indication of this being reliable. Uh, but here's some key evidence, I think. The whole of the New Testament taken together is being, uh, it's, a, it's a record, the book of Acts, historical record, and then the letters, a kind of an ongoing record, of apostles, followers of Jesus, who are now basing their lives and going on to give up their lives. Uh, some followers of Jesus being thrown to lions, some being stoned to death, some being crucified, even history reports um, being crucified upside down even, uh, because they are convinced that this message is true and they won't back down. Now, it's one thing to be deluded, it's another thing to propagate a lie. But it's pretty bizarre that, that all of these witnesses are willing to go to their death without changing their story. Now, what would lead them to do that? Confidence that their death is not the end, that there is a resurrection. I think that's why. So, friends, I, I want to encourage you this Easter Sunday to check out the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus already, uh, to be spurred on and, and buoyed by the fact that 
that there are good lines of evidence. So you don't need to be worried about somebody coming up with, uh, with, with some new information. You just investigate it. That's okay. Uh, if you are wanting to find out more about him, then there are good lines to do that. Uh, if you just don't think this thing matters, I want to say be careful. Because if it does, you've got a lot to lose and missing out on what you would have to gain. Look, look with me at, uh, at the last paragraph of Acts chapter 17. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Now you'll notice I've printed that up and I've made that red. Some of them sneered. That's the reality. Every time someone communicates this, this core information about Jesus, that he died, that he was raised from the dead, people will mock it. People will reject it. And uh, I, I want to encourage you, if that's you, please give it another look. Sometimes people give up uh, on this being true based on what they learnt when they were in Sunday school. Well, it's a dangerous thing to reject what could save your life based on a decision you made when you were 10 years of age. Um, the second thing, others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. I, I think that's a great response. We're not yet persuaded, but obviously this matters, or at least it matters to you, and so we're going to check it out more. And I want to urge you to check it out more. How can you do that? Keep tuning in to Salt Online. Uh, Sunday, next week, 4 o'clock, we'll be opening up another part of the Bible and exploring what God has done for us. Uh, if you'd like uh, help in doing that, we'd love to get you a copy of, uh, of the Gospel, a copy of the New Testament, or a whole Bible if you haven't got one. If you're wanting to talk with someone, love to talk with you. You can either speak with someone that you know from Salt, if that's helpful, or if you go to our website, there's a contact form and uh, you can just put your details in there and uh, hit send. That'll come to me and I'll get in touch with you and we can follow things up. But then look at verse 33. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. And among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. You see... When people heard the message of the resurrection, there were some who knew it to be true and just realized they had to trust it. And I wonder if you're in that boat. Uh, if you know this to be true, but you've not crossed the line, you haven't actually turned back, you haven't repented and put your trust in Jesus, I can't think of a better day to do that than Easter Sunday. Um, I want to encourage you to take that step. If, if you believe this to be true, you don't have to have everything nailed down. You've got a lifetime to explore that and an eternity. Uh, to come up with all of the answers from God. But uh, if, if you want to take this step, I, I'm going to lead in prayer now, and I'd encourage you if, you, if you know that you believe this and you need to take the step to join with me, this is the kind of prayer that you could pray to become a Christian. Please join me. Heavenly Father, um, please forgive me. I haven't always lived uh, with you as my God. Uh, I haven't been following Jesus. I've been living my own way and doing as I please. Please forgive me. Please uh, help me to trust in Jesus. Thank you that he gave his life to pay for my sin, my rebellion. Thank you that you raised him again to life, uh, to put him in charge of this universe and that you now call people to follow him. Please help me to follow Jesus, to trust him and to follow him. And please give me your Holy Spirit and change me to become more like Jesus. Amen.
Friends, just one more quick thing. If, if you've just prayed that prayer, if you've taken a step to become a Christian, please let somebody know. Please let me know. Um, I, I'd love to know that you've taken that step because you've made a brave decision to follow Jesus. And we want to give you some help in doing that. Um, you're not alone. You've, you've made a step to be part of a new family. God is your father. And you've inherited some, well, us, brothers and sisters. And we want to be family that's there for each other. So please let somebody know. Thank you.